Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a monumental episode, episode eight of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. We're joined tonight by the champ, Joel Hetrick. So pumped about that. He's brought to you by DID Racing Chain. We're brought to you by CST Tires, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. We're going to dive right into this awesome interview with two-time, a.k.a. Joel Hetrick, fresh off his second national title in the pro class. But first, we need to thank our show sponsors. Thank you to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR Tire is the best tire on the market, no matter what the terrain. Join the CST Takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you to SSI Decals for their support. SSI Decals, an offshoot of their parent company, was specifically made for ATV Motocross. No job is too big or too small. Make your identity stick with the baddest-ass graphics in the industry. Thank you, SSI decals. Thank you to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. You can thank them for bringing you big-name guests like Joel Hattrick and also for bringing the absolute best chains to the market. Thank you to 4Works Carbon for coming on board. Their 2020 rider support period is now live. Head over to their social media pages or website for featured products, discount specials, and to apply for sponsorship now. Thanks, as always, to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the racetrack. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout to save at evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. Thanks to all of you who participated in our recent DP contest giveaway. Keep an eye out for more of those. Thanks to Blenders Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market, BlendersEyewear.com. Thanks to Oats Overnight, life is hard, make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your to-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout, OatsOvernight.com. Thanks to 100% and their newer Mega Goggle, unparalleled performance for the modern racer, and thanks to Mountaineer Brand. If you have a beard and you love it like I love mine, treat it right with their all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code CODYSFAVE in all caps, that's C-O-D-Y-S-F-A-V in all caps, at MountaineerBrand.com. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands in the industry, Better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the brands who support us. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. And now, I'm pleased to introduce, brought to you by DAD Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain, your reigning and defending 2019 ATV Motocross Pro Champion, we welcome Mr. Joel Hetrick to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast. What's up, pal? Thanks for coming on. Oh, I'm glad to be here and. uh... You know, we got a lot to talk about. It's been a crazy year, to say the least, and 
you know, I like what you just said, the reigning champ defending that, that sounds good. Yeah. How good does that sound after, after all the stuff that you had overcome this year, I can't even imagine how good that sounds. Dude, it, it, it really, it's amazing. It's surreal to me that it all, it all worked out and, you know, in a weird, weird fashion this year, you know, I, I lost last year from the chain and this year I won because of another chain. So it's just, it's crazy where life can take you. Yeah. It's funny. Um, it's funny how that works. And I, I tried to explain that, I think in the review pod a little bit, like it was weird how the chain one year chain other year, it's almost like it just balanced itself out. I don't know if, I don't know if yeah. that's how it works, but anyways, it's uh it's great to have you. And there's no better time than, you know, now after your second championship in three years. So um, it's been what, two and a half weeks since, since you sealed the deal at Ironman, like yep. has it sunk in yet? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, at the track, you know, pulling off uh, second moto at Ironman, I think it's it was it was there for me. It sank in right there because I was tearing up when I was coming off the track just because the emotions hit me hard. And you know, I worked so hard for this this championship this year. And at the beginning, it was it was good, but it was bad. And you know, we had the mechanicals that that cost me a lot of points. And at one point, I was twenty one twenty nine points down. And at that point, it was like, ah. You know, what am I going to do? There's, there's nothing I can do except go out there and race and, and win motos. And it just, when the tables turned, I was like, okay, we're back in it. We can do it. Just got to keep doing what I'm doing, having fun, no stress. That's the main thing. Cause I put so much stress on myself. And especially when you're in a, you know, in a tight spot to win, it was, uh, it was tough, but uh, you know, the team Phoenix racing Honda, there's usually no, no push for me, no stress. And all I had to do was go race my four wheeler. And that's, that's what I did. I think that, and you see from afar, you could see a lot of that this year. It seems like just in general, you're just more balanced. There's not as many up and downs. Um, I think that your home life is obviously good and yep. it just seems like you're so even keeled. You've turned into such a good role model and such a professional, like, I mean, Thank you. there's no arguing that the best guy won, you know, I think because, um, you were the strongest guy all year. And then just like you said, to see after Chad had the chain problem and it was like kind of all the mechanicals kind of balanced themselves out with, yeah. with four motos to go. It was like a clean slate again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we Even playing field, right. You know, after Redbud, it was like, okay, now it's, it's whoever the best rider is, you know, it's a fight to the finish for, yeah, four motos of just grueling, you know, as hard as you can go. And we did it. And, and Chad put up a heck of a fight. Um, Iron Man, I knew it was going to be tough, dude. He was pushing me every lap. Um, you know, I still had a little gap, but still we had the big tires on. The conditions were different. He was pushing the limits. I was trying not to make mistakes. I made a mistake. He caught me three seconds, one lap. And I'm like, what the heck just happened? You know, freaking out. So I mean, it, it was intense and that's, that's what I want though. I want that type of racing and, you know, I think we're going to get it. Um, you know, obviously I enjoy getting the whole shots and winning the race by five, 10 seconds, but no one else enjoys that. So uh, to make the sport, you know, grow and be more entertaining for all the spectators, we need, we need good, clean racing. And, um, I think we'll get it soon. Oh, for sure. I think, uh, it was cool to see, like you said, kind of even the playing field. And I mean, you guys 
especially at that last race, like the first moto, you guys just kind of held that gap. Like he mm-hmm. would put in a really hard charge, but you were able to kind of answer. And yeah. the second moto, I know you were kind of on cruise control, um, but the racing was incredible. So talk about, talk about that event in itself. Like what okay. your feeling was from the, the pro motocross, you know, that finale with the bikes. What, what did you think of that event? I thought it was awesome. Um, I thought it was huge for us, obviously. Um, there's a there's ton of spectators, I think. I mean, more than normal, more than what we get at the ATV Nationals. So that was good. Um, you know, at first, I was kind of leery of what people would think, you know, the, being that they're bike guys. So, you know, it was, I don't know. It was kind of weird at first. But then after, you know, a couple guys like Billy Cottage came off and he was like, all these guys are videoing. They think you guys are, you know, awesome. And that made me feel better about how everyone there felt. And, you know, it's just, it's going to grow when we do stuff like that. And I can only hope that the series will put, you know, Ironman back on with us for the, the pro motocross and ATV mix them in again. And hopefully we can do a couple more of those, maybe high point. Uh, I know that racer productions owns that track too. Yeah. So that'd be one to go to. I think that'd be easy for them to do. And just more of that because it was so fun. The atmosphere was cool. Um, it was cool to be there with the bike, the factory teams. And, you know, we went over and met with the Honda guys, talked to them. That was really cool. You know, talked to a lot of guys at the signing. And, you know, a couple of them congratulated me, which I thought was awesome. I didn't even know they would know who I was or anything. But, you know, for them to say, you know, congrats on championship, it meant a lot. And, you know, to watch them race the next day, that was even cooler. Absolutely. Yeah, it was you could tell the more that the day went on, the fans were more and more into you guys. And then you could see like the people that were just seeing it for the first time. Like when you guys would come around in the first lap and you're hitting all these big jumps, like they were blown away. And then when, you know, I I saw Freddie Norn hanging off the fence for you and cheering you on. And some of the other guys, like they, they, Sean said, uh, Tomac was by him. AC was by us. Ian from SSI said, uh, said that Dylan Ferrandis was up watching you guys. And like, they were totally into it. So that's pretty cool. Like in my mind, because there was people that there's always going to be people that are really worried about what's going to come of an event like this. And I just think in general, no matter what comes of it, I think it's so good for the sport. And that's what I said on the review podcast was that the sport today is cooler than it was three weeks ago or whatever, when you had racer X posting good things about it and vital and posting good things about the ATVs. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw that. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's pretty impressive. So um, the track itself, did the dirt bike ruts and that stuff impact the racing at all? You know, I was worried about that. I was worried too going in while we're all thinking like I'm talking to Brandon Hogue, he, you know, Grayson was with me. We're all thinking like, what, what's, what's the track going to be like? We have no idea, but I knew in my head, it's going to be a dirt bike prep track. It's going to be super deep. You know, they're going to water the crap out of it. And that's exactly what it was. And then we got rain. So then it made it so deep and muddy and, you know, no one wanted to go out first qualifier, obviously. But uh, after it cleaned itself, we cleaned it up for second uh, qualifier. And then, you know, first moto turned out to be pretty good. We still ran big tires, but the ruts weren't terrible. Um, Yeah, ruts weren't too bad. The only thing that was bad, there's a couple really soft spots still. Other than that, we probably could have managed to run small tires first moto, but it was just the fact of you see the guy next to you with big tires and you're not going to make that, you know, 
that call right there be like, uh, you know, I could do it. Well, he's still got big tires on. You probably shouldn't. So there's so many things going in your mind. You just, you stick with the bigs. The first one, everyone did. And that was the way to go. Yeah. So to explain to people that haven't been through that before, cause I've been through it. So I know what you're talking about, but like the big tire, little tire thing is such a headache. Um, mm-hmm. battling back and forth when that's happening, like other, there's no, there's nothing else. I think that you guys go through that compares to that because yeah, it's like, you're looking at other guys, like, what does he have? What does he have? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. it's another, it's I, an added dynamic. It is. I think, uh, you know, there was like spies for teams. Like I had my mom go over and see what, you know, Thomas and Chad were doing and they had their guys <laughs> looking at our tent. It's like, everyone just wanted to know, like, are you running big tires? No one's going to tell you. No one's going to be like, Hey, we should all run big tires. That way we all know, heck no, I'm not going to tell Chad that he's not going to tell me that. No way. Right. But, uh, you know, we made the right call. Everyone had him on down there. And the start was deep too. So I think that was, uh, one of the main reasons. And, you know, really just to keep the bike up a little bit to not, you know, grab that chain in the ruts. Um, yeah. that was a, that could have been a major, major bad, bad deal for someone. But yeah, that it's, it's so tough because if you, let's say I, I've made the wrong call this year at, at Texas when it was so muddy, I, second moto, I'm like, I don't want big tires. They wore me out. I put small tires on, excuse me. Um, the third or fourth turn going around the outside. I thought it was a heater line. Ruts were too deep and I got stuck and got passed. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? You know, that's, that's just one of them things you don't know for sure until you're out in the track. Yeah. It's just an added worry. And when you're trying to seal a championship, that's the last thing that you have to be or want to be worrying about. So yeah. were you feeling the pressure like on that last race day or was it just business as usual? You know, normally I would have felt the pressure, but like what I told Carly, I was like, something's up. You know, I feel really good today. I'm not worried. You know, I went out and qualified like 1.2 seconds ahead with the big tires and something that not a lot of people know is my track here at home is it's got to be the rockiest soil that I've ever seen. It re- it really does suck. And I always ride with big tires. So I was comfortable with the big tire setup. Okay. And that's why I think I, I that's why I think I wasn't so worried because in the back of my mind, I knew I can ride this bike to its full potential with these big tires. And um, I went out and got the whole shot, which I, I did the qualifiers or the sight last start and completely butchered it with the big tire. So I'm like, uh Oh, this isn't good. But, uh, you know, the gate dropped for the moto and I nailed it, but <laughs> it could have been bad. Yeah. That's awesome. So were you a combination of what happened earlier in the year at Crawfordsville where it was probably the worst imaginable outcome where you DNF DNF and then Definitely you know, what happened at the end of last year, were you worried about your bike at all? Or were, was that in the back of your mind as, as oh my gosh. Is unfolding? <laughs> Dude, that whole second moto, I was just, I didn't even hit Revlimer, I don't think. Cause I was so Sean worried. Said. Sean was on here saying I was, I went to, to, to Joel and was like, dude, you're not even riding like yourself. Yeah. I, I really, I just, I knew what I had to do and I made a plan going into that race and I didn't tell many people about the plan. I just, I kept it to myself because you know, I, there's nothing's guaranteed. So I just wanted to win the first moto and top four of the second moto. And I know that would lock the championship up for me. 
and uh, second moto, I'm just freaking out. I'm like, please finish the race. Because, you know, from Unadilla, I've been in the clear, you know, five seconds oh, yeah. ahead. And then, you know, the bike decides it's, you know, I'm done here. So I had to push it up for the <laughs> for the win. But still, it's it was in the, my head the whole time. And I'm freaking out. And, you know, it finished, like, amazing. And then I rev-bombed it for probably a minute straight when I finished the, <laughs> finished the race. And I'm like, wow, this thing is it's about bulletproof now i can't right I can't yeah. that. so yeah. it, it was it was definitely in my mind yeah that's funny i know that feeling of like you overanalyze every little noise you yep. start hearing things that you're not actually hearing so thankfully yeah. there was no issues there um you know you did what you had to do was it sweeter after you overcame all the stuff this year the mechanicals and the stuff that didn't go your way did it end up being sweeter because of having to overcome all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. It was, uh, you know, the, the races that were bad, obviously were bad. There was only four of them. Um, you know, we're, we, nothing we could do. Um, just a couple part failures that we're obviously going to work on, get fixed for next year and, you know, have a, have a stronger, you know, package for 2020, but it was really, yeah, it was really sweet to overcome that and be able to win with with what happened and you know the one mechanical chat had it equaled out to my four um it will say three because one one of the races i just had you know a little cutting out problem i don't really know what it was it was at texas it was real wet but uh let's say three races that were terrible and for me to overcome that and race and win as many motos as i did and just never really get down on myself and tell myself like hey you, you can just lay back it, you're done you know that was that's a, that's the other tough part is, you know, self-motivating to go out there and keep, you know, grinding every day in the gym after stuff like that happens and riding and just everything. But, you know, I had a good group of people that kept pushing me and it was, uh, it was truly amazing, you know, for the second one, you know, I wish it, I wish it would be three this year, but the life ain't always fair. Oh, that's true. And I think I, I had said, um, maybe in a previous podcast that the stuff that you probably learned and put in your bag of tricks when yep. you had that happen to you last year, you probably learned so much um, oh, yeah. going through all that just as a man that, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, everything happens for a reason, right? So um, it, it honestly formed me into a better person and, you know, I, I can accept failure better now. Um, you know, I can show my little girl that, it, you know, even if it, it's the worst thing ever, you know, it, you're trying so hard for this one goal in life and, and it ends up failing on you. Um, there's always next year. So that's, that's, uh, that was the key to my success was just never give up and keep pushing. And there's always next year. Yeah. That's the best way to look at it. So now in 2019, the, you got one thing left, you got the quad cross of nations, which is kind of right around the corner now. Um, I know people are wondering how's the prep on the hybrid going? Oh man. I just rode, uh, just rode the one it's Grayson's race bike. We put all my Walsh components on and everything like that. So it's a race motor Walsh, my, everything I got, you know, it's my setup. That thing is wicked, dude. It is so fun to ride. Um, I rode sleepy hollow for the D six ultimate series and dude, I had the most fun I've since, you know, <laughs> at the beginning of the year, you know, when you, you stop riding for so long and you get back into it, that's when I have a lot of fun, yep. but 
you know, I took a week off from riding, got back on that hybrid and I was like, holy cow, this is, this is fun. Other than the arm pump, it was fun. So I saw the helmet cam and it like, looks like there's like, you're literally going down straightaways and the thing just pops the front end up. Like, so do you have to ride, do you have to ride it differently? Yeah, definitely. It's really light in the front end because the motors, uh, I think it's like 13 to 15 pounds lighter and it's a little further back uh, on the chassis. So it's, it's basically sitting on the rear end and I had to ride further up on the front of the bike and clutch it a lot more in the turns, which I didn't like. And that's what was making me get a little pumped up was I was fighting the bike a little bit, but, uh, you know, after I got used to it, after one or two practices, I was like, I, I was loving it. And I had the turns dialed in at that point. Um, you know, the traction issue, which wasn't an issue, it just had incredible traction. And it being so light in the front, me being light, it just, it wanted to wheelie every, you know, every time I come out of a turn. But once I got that dialed in, dude, it was, it was about the coolest bike I've rode for a while. And the, the throttle response is unbeatable. Um, oh, I'm sure. From the, fir- the first hundred feet, Oh, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm sure that throttle response, especially the way that you ride, it's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be like, you would feel the throttle response more than anybody else would. So what about how nimble it is? Does it feel like you can throw it around even easier than the quad you're used to? Yeah, definitely. That's what Grayson was asking me after I wrote it. He was like, how much lighter did it feel in the air? And I told him, I was like, "It, it was much lighter for me. Definitely in the front. I did a whip. And almost didn't bring it back because it was so big. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. But, uh, yeah, it was super nimble. And, you know, it was easy for me to, like, just pick the, I don't know, just move the rear end around, move the front end around. Um, I didn't have to ride it much differently. But, like I said, you know, clutched it a little bit more, up on the front a little bit more. Other than that, dude, I was, I felt like I was flying. That's awesome. I can't wait to see the the footage from you riding this thing, whether it's, you know, here when you're testing or, uh, or in Germany, but yeah, it's going to be, I mean, everybody's been, it's like been the talk since that you said you were going to ride the hybrid. So, um, so yeah, I knew that everybody wanted to know that. So the other impact of that event is that, you know, it forces you to kind of be in your training grind for, you know, a substantial amount of time, really like two more months um, than what you normally would have been. So do you find yourself wishing you could kind of, like engage your off season mode and kind of do a little more relaxing or is it just, you know, hammer down and you're good with that? Um, I would definitely like to relax a little bit more. The first week I really didn't do much. I worked out and did a couple of runs. I'm not a huge, I don't run a lot because my knees are bad and it just tears me up, but I ran, I was sore for five days after that. So I was like, ah, I'll just take a little <laughs> break. And, uh, you know, but I had to keep training because I don't, you know, I don't want to go there unprepared and, I know all them other countries and them other kids and you know, they're, they're pushing, they want to beat us. So I'm not going to go there, you know, half-assing anything. I'm going to go there ready to win. And um, so I've kind of been enjoying what I've been doing lately. It's not as intense for the training, which is nice, yep. but uh, I'm still, I'm still active and I'm, I'm maintaining the same weight, which is good for me because I fluctuate really hard sometimes, especially because my diet, it changes when I'm done racing and oh, sure. <laughs> the cupcakes are, <laughs> so it's, I got to lay low on the cupcakes and pizza, but, uh, you know, we got, we leave the 31st and I think we race the fifth and sixth, something like that. So it's not far away. You know, we're, we're closing in on it. I'm really excited. I've been putting in the work. I've, I've only rode the hybrid 
twice so far, done a bunch of hole shots, but you know, I'm going to get on it this weekend, ride some more, hopefully get some footage, um, not GoPro so people can see, yeah. you know, just me, me riding instead of just the GoPro. And I think that'll be cool, but yeah, it's, it's definitely tough with this race and, um, you know, staying in the grind, like you said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was definitely a question I had. And I guess this is more of an off season question, but this is always something I wonder because it's different for, for us who aren't at the pinnacle of the sport, like you are at the very top, you know, how do you manage to like try to improve or to up your game? Um, like, do you, because you have so less to improve, you know what I mean? So like, are there things that you still pick out in yourself like hey i need to improve this or i mean how does that work for you yeah that a lot of people ask me this question and it's really tough to answer but like i tell um a lot of kids and a lot of people that ask this i will seriously study every one of my videos but prior to the race or just like i was just watching the iron man recap probably 20 minutes ago um for some reason dude i don't lose the fire in racing it fires me up to watch myself race, to watch ATV motocross racing. And then when I'm, I'm watching myself, like I obviously, you know, study myself more than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But I watch and I'm like, ah, I was lazy there. I could have been on the gas harder there, but it's so hard to be a critic to myself and then go out there and do it because when I'm out there, I'm, I'm pushing, you know, a hundred percent. So when I'm out there, there's, there's nothing else better I can do. But when I watch the video, it's like, what was I doing? I was being lazy, you know? And that's the only thing that I can do uh, off the bike to help, you know, myself be better. Um, on the bike is just riding with other people. Honestly, that really helps. Um, it pushes the intensity factor in practice. Um, me, Hogue and Grayson rode probably at least two months together this, this, uh, season. And, it was crucial. I mean, we went out to sand pits, we went out to every track and we would do cat and mouse games. So I'd let them guys go and I would, I would push the limits trying to catch them. And you know, the heart rates are, are proven that I was pushing every time I was on the track and there's, there's no better practice than that right there. And, you know, I'm not sitting there doing, you know, drills or anything like that. I'm just forcing myself to catch these guys faster and, and not make any mistakes during these laps. And if I do, then I'll do another lap or I'll, I'll keep going until I feel comfortable with that moto. Okay. I see. So that, yeah, that, that definitely riding with people um, definitely is key, but that you're just confirming that you do everything else, everything that we all do where you want, like you feel like you're riding at your limit and then you watch yourself yep. and you're like, man, what am I doing? So, um, and then, and then we all watch you and it's like, Jesus, Joel, you can't go any faster. So, That's, you know, sometimes I think that, but then I'm like, I could see it and I know I could get on the gas. I, I know I could. And it's so hard to say because I might try it and I'll blow a dang berm, but that's, that's what I tell everyone in my schools, blow the berm. I don't care, but keep going. Don't throw a fit. Don't get upset. Keep going. Come around the next lap. And, and maybe not go as hard, but, you know, push it that extra five, 10 feet, you know, that that's going to make you gain tens of seconds that are going to add up to, um, you know, major gains. Well, yeah, you kind of have to find your limit. So there's no other way to find it than, than that. But uh, yeah, Joel, I don't think that you have tons of, tons of weaknesses there. I mean, what you had 
six overall wins this year. What, four, 14, 15 moto wins? 14, um, out of, 14 out of 19. 14 out of 19, he says. So, and, and how many had to have that many hole shots too, right? I was trying to tally up to see how many I got. Um, okay. And I think I only – I think four to five hole shots I didn't get. Okay. okay. So, the, so the, whole shot, photos, the whole shot king, the self-proclaimed whole shot king. <laughs> self-proclaimed. Yep. That's – you know, I could – I don't know exactly, but it's it's pretty close to, you know, four to five, maybe six that I missed. Um, but, dude, I, I, I practice a lot. And yeah. that's what – people don't get i sit out there for hours and just throw a rock in there and um when the rock hits the ground i go and i it's it's been working oh that's awesome um yeah i think it might be hard to one-up this season um especially man you had so much success and then like you said it's just a different feeling um when you kind of overcome what you had to overcome instead of just maybe sitting on this points lead and you don't get the highest of highs at the end when mm-hmm. there was a lot of this season, you didn't think you had a chance. At the end, you get it done. I, I, I got to believe that was it had to be the highest of highs. So, um, yeah, what a season. Nobody can argue that the best man won this thing. You fought your ass off to make it happen, and it was so fun to watch. So I want to talk about your, your younger years. I want to talk about your journey a little bit. But first, let's hear okay. from our sponsors. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST Tires, csttires.com, for coming on as the title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST Tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Thank you, SSI Decals, for your support and presenting sponsorship of the live show. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the brand quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, short course off-road trucks, UTVs, snowcross, and NHRA six-time world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI. Making your identity sick with championship-level graphics, SSI decals. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring racing chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our site lap intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans Coolant prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, 
Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega Goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways. Not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. All right, guys, we're back here with newly crowned 2019 pro champ Joel Hetrick. And Joel, let's talk about your, your story a little bit. Um, when did you start racing and, and where, did all, where did it all start for you? Okay. Um, so I started racing at about four years old. My grandpa bought me my first quad. It was an LT80. And uh, my parents were into racing at that point already. They had Hetrick Racing, their shop. So, you know, they, they got me going. And, you know, my dad was a racer. My uncle was a racer. And, uh, you know, they took me racing at a local, a Fox Raceway. And, you know, they, they obviously saw some potential from myself. And, you know, at four, obviously you're like, ah, you're just going to go have fun. Obviously, you know, you don't, not going to push your kid to do nothing crazy, but you know, I, I wanted to keep going. And we, we, uh, I think, you know, five, four, five, and six, I was, I was local racer. And then at seven, I think we went to the nationals and they were still mixed. So it was MX and flat track. Um, I raced flat track and, you know, we, we did well there, but I'm just trying to think there's, there's so many things that I went through, so many things I've raced. Um, it's just hard to, to go back and think, but we started at four, we uh, went nationals at seven and never quit after that. We won some flat track titles, um, 70 mod, 90 mod. We went to motocross and that was maybe 2000 was the nationals. I was starting racing motocross on a 70 mod went there was tearing it up wasn't winning you know I was you know average guy I was little so it was hard for me to rate you know compete with the bigger guys I was racing against like J.R. Hines Cody Miller um shoot there was a ton of Thomas Brown like it's crazy to think I was on minis with them guys when I was seven eight years old but uh you know we just kept trucking from there and as the years went on I started to win championships and uh the first year the second year in 70 mod I won a championship um then we went to 90 mod was racing against some bigger guys cody miller thomas brown and they they beat up on me pretty bad and uh you know the following year i battled with uh, jake bratton for a championship i got the championship and you know after that we just kept going it was like it's so hard to even go back because i raced so long like i've been racing (laughs) over 20 years yeah that's crazy 26 years old so people are like how long you've been racing i tell them no way that's crazy but yeah that's that's it and it's just in my blood it's 
you know, it started young and, and never stopped. And, you know, I was really fortunate to always have a good machine to go ride or, you know, my dad was so into it that he never wanted me to, uh, never wanted me to quit. So he didn't push me too hard, but he just pushed me to stay in it. You know, he's like, you got potential, just keep doing it. We were winning titles. We were having fun. And it was just, it was a blast. And, you know, to get, um, to get up in the ranks and we were at 150, me and Jeffrey battled 2007 WPSA. He will tell everyone, he always does. (laughs) He beat me that year. Um, He beat me. I was on the 150. I hated it. I was not a four stroke guy, but uh, yeah, he, I had that. He, I had that in my notes because that was, <laughs> that was the first year of the 150, and mm-hmm. you were kind of the, one of the only people trying to make it work. Yep. And I remember like Jeffrey just, his bike had more than you did, you know, yeah, those, yep, those yep. 150s just didn't work, you know, they didn't, it, you know, we couldn't get it figured out. And my dad knew it but he wanted me to race it. Um, obviously it was his build. Like he was one of the first to build it. So he's like, you yeah. know, we need to race it, but it, it wasn't working yet. And I would go back and forth from the Superman, the one Oh five to the one fifty. Yeah. I'm like, I love the two stroke. I need to race it. And uh, I'm not going to say that's what lost me championship, but I obviously I wasn't comfortable. We had issues and you know, Jeffrey was there every race. Like he was pushing me around the track on that one fifty, and it was everything I had to beat him, but it came down to the wire and, um, you know, he, he whooped up on me that year and he, uh, never lets me live it down. <laughs> I remember that year, probably more vivid than any other year. Cause Jeffrey and I were battling to the death in the 300 class. And then yep. you guys were battling in that class. And yeah, I just, I remember you being on this 150 and the things popping and farting and not going <laughs> anywhere. And, uh, yep. yeah. So, so one step back from that, I do, okay. that's what I remember, um, from your youth years was, you racing TT and motocross on those quads with the tiny little rear tires. <laughs> yep. And uh, so, you know, we all know that fast hard pack tracks are a strength of yours now. And do you think that, you know, those years of racing flat track and TT, you know, had something to do with that now, but you were doing that when you're young, you think you learned some stuff then that you bring now and make that a strength of yours? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I told many people that I think, me being on them hard packed dry slick tracks is I'm kind of remembering, remembering the grassroots. And, you know, when I'm on them, you know, back in the day on the flat track, it's all about throttle control and traction and, um, you know, setting guys up for passes that are really hard, you know, to make passes on flat track, obviously, but doing it on a, on a track, let's say like high point 2017, it was a damn TT track with jumps. So that, that played a perfect role for me. being that I raced flat track back in the day, I feel like in, it, it truly helps with, uh, like I said, throttle, throttle control and traction and, you know, where to be on the bike and in those type of turns. And it all transitioned to, you know, the rider I am today. I think I remembered all of it, obviously. And if I didn't, I, uh, I definitely got lucky somehow, but no, I definitely it's, remembered. It's in your muscle memory or whatever, but right. I always felt the same way. Cause I started on flat track and TT too. And sometimes now, like if I race a TT or I race a fair race or something and people will be like, well, yeah, well that's from, that's from, you know, you have all that TT experience. I'm like, I haven't yeah. raced TT in 15 years, you know, right. but it's like, it's like in you, you're kind of programmed. Yeah. That. So, um, Definitely. you know, yeah, I, I think back to when you were on a mini and racing, 
you know, cause we're pretty much the same age and yep. see you racing, um, you know, the, the TTs and stuff. And yeah, I think of it now, like you're the same rider on those hard pack tracks, whether it be high point or muddy Creek, those type of tracks like, uh, Crawfordsville on, on yep. situation. And, uh, yeah, you kind of brought those tools from back then. The other thing that I remember from when you were a kid was you were on a film riding a 450. Was that, yep. was that Kale Downings? Maybe. Uh, yeah. It, uh, man, I don't know if it was Trent Candells or Kale Downings. I, okay. it was, I know the track it was at. It was County Line. I still ride there. Okay. Um, shoot. I'm pretty I sure remember it was. It. I remember that video. Like, it's burned in my brain, though. Yeah. And, Carpe Diem. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was in one and two or one and three. Either way. Man, I can't remember who it was. Because I remember, wasn't your dad on there too? And he's like, yeah, we're just going to let Joel ride this thing. <laughs> yep, yep. That Oh, man, that was so cool. That was the first time I ever sat on a 450. So That's, was, I think, what your crazy. dad says in the video, right? I thought that yeah. I thought that that's where that came from. So, yeah, I remember that. I remember you riding that 450 in that, in that video. And then um, the next thing that kind of comes to mind is, is the Z400 days. Oh, man. <laughs> And that was what, 2008? Yeah. 2008. Yep. Then I went pro am the next year. So the thing that is crazy to me about the, about the, uh, the Z 400 thing is that, so that would have been 08. So like three or four years earlier, Mm -hmm. Augusta was winning pro races on that quad. Like there's this rise of the four fifties. And all of a sudden, a few years later, you're in a quote unquote youth class on a Z400, but you were killing it. I remember like people saying like, oh, Joel Hetrick's doing A-class pro-am lap times on a Z400. <laughs> it's crazy. That, that year was, it was interesting to say the least. I was still really small. And the Z400, you know, is a, is a tank. And yeah, I do. <laughs> I was, I was so scared to get handled by that thing because if i did it would have been a bad day but you know we had it we had it set up pretty good it had um good power and i won the championship that year on it uh you know i had some good races it was it was just kind of like a stepping stone for me uh to get on a big bike before i went on um to the pro-am and a class so then the next year you went you went to pro-am you weren't an a for very long right I was an A for probably four to five races, and I swear every time I got on the line, I either was winning by 20 seconds or would crash and just eat crap, dude. It was it was just one of them years where it's like I needed to get out of Pro-Am, I thought, so or I mean A-class, I thought. So we, we did. We moved up to both Pro-Ams, and I think like the first race I got a podium, so I was like, oh, that was, that was the right thing to do, I guess. So that was 09 was I remember, I, th- I swear I remember you, didn't you battle with Gibson at one race? Was that maybe Unadilla? I think it was, we battled, there's a video, a rider spotlight, I think it's mine, uh, Glute okay. made it. Okay. It was, two, it was uh, Muddy Creek, it was me, Travis Moore, Cody Gibson, Bobby Ross, um, battling it out, and I think Travis won the moto actually, but yeah, that I battled with him there, I might have battled with him at a, uh, steel city because i was on the podium there i think and maybe unadilla too because i got on a podium there too and that was my first year in pro-am so it was rad dude it was sick well that's yeah that's what i was getting at with that question was um 
I remember you kind of battling with those guys and it was right off the jump of moving to pro-am and it was kind of like, okay, this kid's for real, you know, cause you never know. Like some people go from minis to big bikes and, and they, they're, yeah. they're not you, you know, they're, it's, they're just it's tough to make that transition. It is. Yeah. It's a totally different deal. So, um, so yeah, then the next year, 2010, yep. won 12 overalls combined between the two pro-ams. You won prime unlimited. You finished second to chase snap in, in production. Um, man, that year was some of the best racing that I can ever remember watching. What do you remember from, from that season in Pro-Am? It was intense to say the least. We had, you know, 25 guys on the line. Like we qualified for almost every Pro-Am race. I remember that. Production was the elite one. Um, unlimited was, it was like a six lap race. Production was eight or something, but production was the one that everyone wanted to win. That was the hot class. Um, uh, of course, I ended up winning Unlimited. You know, we had – every time I got to production, it seemed like that, that freaking Cowie didn't want to finish. Like, it would blow up or something would happen. And, you know, we, we struggled with production. And Unlimited, we did great. And, uh, you know, funny story I'll add in. At Loretta's in 2009 – or 2010, I was uh, swimming in the creek. I, I The championships are on the line. Like, I had to do good in Unlimited to win. And – my buddy threw his flip-flop in the creek and I went to get it. I dove in, dove straight to the ground, hit, hit my head, come out of the water, blood's rushing everywhere. Had to get 10 stitches in my forehead. Um, my dad's freaking out, you know, obviously telling me, you shouldn't have been in there doing that, this and that, you know, I'm just being a kid, dumb kid, whatever. But uh, they slapped like a maxi pad on my forehead and we went racing. <laughs> <laughs> you wrapped up a championship. <laughs> yeah the, yeah the next day we uh pro-am unlimited I, I wrapped up the championship on someone else's cowie was one of our team riders cowies because mine was uh we were trying to save it for production oh okay because we were still like we still could have won it i think yeah um, yeah so i when i looked it up earlier prepping for this you lost by eight points but it was okay. it was close yeah it was right oh, down to the wire i know what happened too see it, something it, happened it, at the very end of the year right that that yep. gave it up I you know I don't know if it was this, but at Loretta's in the production race, um, there's a there's a tangle up on the line or on the hole shot, and I was in it. So I started dead last. I came through. Chase knew what he had to do. He just he had to get like fourth or something, and I was in the back. So I was coming through the pack, and I just I didn't have the race that I needed to to get it. And I don't even know if, if I would have won Loretta's if I would have got it. It's just hard to think back to that, but right, still. Yeah that didn't help it of course. And you know, that, that was tough, but we did get unlimited, which was cool um, to say I got one pro-am championship. And now when we went pro the next year. Yeah. So yeah, 2011, you went pro. And I just, the one thing that stands out at least for the first half of the season was, you know, that there was all this hype obviously and whatever, but you mentioned it a minute ago, but the Kawasaki definitely held you back. Oh man, it did. It, it did. It, it, it was, crappy because you know we wanted to try to finish the whole season on that bike and you know we we couldn't my dad was fed up with it and he was the boss at that time so he was like you know we're, we're going to honda and um, i'm really glad we did because everything after that started working and the tables had turned and we started finishing motos the first race on the honda was it was uh butts creek it was muddy and we did we didn't do great the race after that was unadilla and that was my first 
um, pro win ever going one, one and, uh, on the rookie year. So that it was just unbelievable to me. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, when I think back to then, that's the one race that's burned into my mind. And people talk about it all the time. Still on yeah. this, on, on the podcast, it's been mentioned multiple times that that, uh, that Unadilla ride that you had going 1-1 for your first win is like legendary. I mean, think about if somebody did that now. Like we talk about it for years. We're, oh, still, yeah, talking, we're, still, we're still talking about it. It's eight years later and we're still talking about <laughs> it. But So when you were on the Kawasaki, was, was there factory affiliation there? Yeah, um, the first, I think it was 2008, uh, I wasn't on it yet. My dad had a team, Hetrick Gabriel, Gabriel Racing, and, okay, and they I had remember. factory, yeah, they had factory support. Um, you know, they got bikes and parts and everything, and that was when the factories were there. It was booming. The series was awesome, of course, and, uh, you know, I think when I went to Pro-Am, it kind of dwindled down. And then when I went to pro, there was obviously none of that support left. So we were just doing it with the parts and, and Oh, you, you know, were. Okay. okay. Yeah. With, with the stuff we had left and uh, you know, cause I, I loved the bike. I thought it was great, but yeah. you can't race something that's not going to be reliable and finish. And, you know, to get on the Honda at first, it was, it was tough to get on for me as a little bigger. Um, the Cowie was, it was small, so it obviously fit me well, but, when I got on the Honda and, and the power and um, you know, the turning was just unbelievable to me till this day. It, it is the best quad, best handling quad that I've rode. Um, especially now with, with the way that Jay Goble and Elka suspension have been tuning the shocks and it, it just the, the package I have, dude, it's, it's unreal. It, it works so good. And I'm so glad we made that transition to that Honda and, and, you know, we went back and forth. We had the Can-Am days, but we, we always went back to the Honda. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta believe that, that, um, I mean, obviously you proved it right. Cause you get on the Honda and you take it right to the front. That's gotta be, I can't imagine that you have many memories that are better than that one. And then you did the same thing at Loretta's, right? You ended the yeah. year one, one at Loretta's. So it was kind of like, this is no fluke. It's not just that this kid is super light and was holding the thing pinned at the home of horse. <laughs> like yep. you did it at Loretta's. I have to believe that those are unforgettable memories and, you know, but deep down. So when you're on the Kawasaki deep down, did you know you had wins in you and it was just the quad that was holding you back? Or did you almost like, like surprise yourself? What happened when you got on the Honda? I had no idea that I could win a race. <laughs> um, I, w I wasn't in shape. I didn't train. I mean, I, I stayed with uh, D Manshack at Splendora and he was, he was training me, but I was just, I was a lazy kid at the time. I, I didn't put the work in that I needed to. And I tell everyone, I'm like, if I would have worked as hard as I did then I, I could have been, you know, maybe multi-time champion by now, but you know, that's, that's where I was in life. And this is where I am now. So for me looking back and, you know, progressing so much, it feels really good. You know, I've made such an improvement on my life and I've, I feel like I've matured um, majorly and it's just, it's crazy to look back and be like, dude, just one, I should have slapped myself on the head back then. <laughs> well, but but I, maybe, I still, maybe without those experiences, you wouldn't be where you are now knowing that you're always giving yourself as much of an advantage as possible. Right. With your training. Yeah, true that. Yep. Very true. And you know, like I said, it, 
the the failures you go through will will form you into a better person and that's what I went through you know I didn't fail in, in 2011 I had them two wins in my rookie year which no one's done so for me that was incredible and I, I thought I was on you know thought I was going to be you know the next Chad Weenan after that but I didn't I still didn't realize because he wasn't there let's let's go back to that he wasn't there he had his broken back he was hurt yeah he, he was hurt and I always tell people I'm like I wouldn't have won if he was there and you know people are like why would you say that it was because it's the truth dude he's he was the guy to beat and he was out so I, I would never take that um, away from him he obviously wasn't in, in shape back then he had it figured out he was uh matured he was 20 something years old at that time probably so he, he had his stuff figured out and I didn't I was getting into the class and I needed to figure it out it's kind of funny um I've thought about this a few times that you know you both in a very similar manner took it took however many years six or whatever year five or six years before mm-hmm. you got to the point where you had your stuff together and you were kind of the guy you know or the yeah. guys it's very similar manner between both of you but um yeah so after that after your rookie year then you, know, you kind of jumped back and forth from the can-am to the honda the can-am to the honda there's like three years there where you grabbed one overall win a year. Um, so in 2013, is that the year that you got hurt where you broke your collarbone? Yeah. Yeah. We did that. I broke my collarbone at wild Creek or was it wildcat or wild wildcat Creek. Yeah. Wildcat Creek. Okay. Yeah. So I was going, I was trying to pass Joe bird and I was just going too fast to the rollers and got kicked up super hard and landed basically right on my face the quad followed me and broke my collarbone um shared the ambulance with john natalie so i i (laughs) I thought that was okay um but you know the crappy part was they sat me straight up and down and and i rode the whole ambulance ride bouncing up and down i'm like my damn collarbones broke can you give me i want to lay down seniority uh, yeah natalie was laying down he was hurt he was hurt too but I was like, holy cow. I mean, that race took a lot of people and Tim Detling wrecked and I I wrecked. uh, I did like that track though. I did like that. I did. Yeah. I I mean, I wrecked because I was just pushing the limits and I think uh, Tim got tangled up on a jump and I don't know what happened to John, but it was all just, you know, kind of weird accidents. I don't think it was the track itself. But then you you only missed one race or something, right? Like I remember you (laughs) coming right back. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, we, I got the opportunity to go to the Ford's house. They, they flew me there on their jet, which was super cool. Um, we stayed at their house. I had a special surgery done called a Sonoma surgery. Um, it's only one screw and they hollow out your bone and put a titanium rod in there at the end of it. It like flanges open and, uh, like claws open on your bone. So it can't come out. You can't move at all. Okay. So I had that surgery done. The heel, the heel time was like minimal compared to a plate and screws. And, you know, for some reason I needed to get back, I needed to get back to racing. And now I look back and I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? What was you know? so important? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it just, it's mind boggling that I had to hurry up and, and get racing again. And I know the contracts I had with companies were like, you know, you had to be racing this and that, but I think, that I would have been okay if I still didn't race that race. Right. And, uh, but we did, I went to sunset Ridge, I raced and I didn't do phenomenal. I think I went 10, 14. I battled with Sean, one of the motos. I always <laughs> give him crap for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, 
it, now I look back and I'm like, you, you're dummy. Why well, would you do so that? Important. Yeah. It's funny that yeah. we get caught up in that at the moment, but my point yep. of that, of bringing that up was that you were better. You were better than the results showed all those, you know, those three years there where you only won one overall per year. Yeah. So what, what do you remember from the, the Can-Am days? Like what stands um, out, I guess, stands out about those, those years? You know, nothing fantastic. I can't say anything bad about the bikes. The bikes were good. We had um, great team support. Can-Am was helping. I was with David Eller with Maxton Construction at the time was kind of like, it was his team for the first year, I think in 2012, it was the live wire. And then 2014, it was the motor works or it could have been swapped. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it, I don't know. It's just, like I said before, I, I wasn't, I wasn't in shape. I wasn't pushing the envelope like I should have. Um, there was just a lot of things that I needed to change in my life. And, you know, I, at the end of 2014, I really figured that out. Um, I see. Yeah. You yeah. see your, go, well, go ahead. You can finish that. Oh, no, I, I mean, I think I honestly was tired of getting beat when I know in deep inside, like I've done this all my life. I, I need to, you know, put everything I have into it and, and, you know, give it my all to see my results. And that's when I finally got hooked up with the trainer and, and started finally training. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, I mean, just in general, the, the, the box score, the stats show it. Then in 2015, following, um, following those years, you know, you're back on the Honda and you really started to figure it out. You got four wins that year. You second in points for the first time. And, you know, now mm -hmm. you were, now you were building, um, that leads right into 2016, which I mean, to date, maybe until this year might've been your very best where, you know, it was the year of the eights. You had yep. eight wins, which is incredible, and you lost. You ended up losing the championship by eight points. But um, now, was that the year that you crashed at Daytona? So then, you, yeah, you were chasing all year long to make up for that. Yep, that's correct. I uh, I got a little. I don't really know exactly what happened. I was coming up on the tally, and I I was like, back then, I was full bore I'm like you know crazy Joel and everyone said it to me like why don't you just chill out I'm like I can't I need to go faster but I should have chilled out because I, I bombed this single I was gonna try to pass on the right side bombed it landed so minimal on his tire his rear tire of my front tire and it just tossed me and um, luckily I landed on a hay bale so I didn't get really jacked up but my knee took the brute of everything and I don't know how it happened. I don't know how my knee got, you know, jacked up like it did, but I tore two ligaments, one completely tore the PCL, um, which is the, the other, it's like the biggest ligament other than the ACL, they crossed together. Yep. And then the MCL was slightly torn and I've never got surgery. I still battle with it today. My freaking knee moves in and out like insane. Um, but you know, I, I put knee braces on after that. Tim Detling got me with a good company, CTI, and put the braces on and um, been fine ever since. And I, I, that's why, like I said earlier, I can't run much because of that. I see. But, yeah, I knew when I was looking at the stats, I knew you won all these races. Um, but you came up that little bit short. Then in my mind, I'm like, oh, that had to be the year where he spent the whole season trying to make up the 25 points yeah. whenever you were down at the at the first race. So. Yeah, and it wasn't like that year. I mean, I did like really good. Eight out of 12 overalls is awesome. 
but it wasn't like that year I couldn't just go out and dominate every moto I went out for. Um, I wasn't there yet in speed or, or fitness. I mean, fitness was good, but speed wise, um, bike handling, like we still had stuff to figure out and we were figuring it out. I was just, us taking the brute from the bike and, you know, getting beat up a little bit. And just, um, like I said, years, every year gets better. And now we're to the point where it's, it's amazing, but there was still things we needed to work on, obviously with myself too, but with the bike and, um, not take anything away from Chad. It's just that race took me out the beginning and I couldn't, um, I couldn't, you know, get the moto wins that I needed to gain the amount of points that I, I had to get. Oh yeah. I don't think that anybody could, I don't think anybody could take it as you taking any credit away from anybody. I just, uh, you were building every year and that's why yeah. I kind of wanted to go through the years here. Cause each year it got a little better Then in yep. 2017. You finally got it done. So you won five overalls, but what stands out to me is at the end of the season, those like last three or four races, like you went on a tear to, uh-huh. to, to clinch that thing and get it done. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Um, well, like the whole shot, I think I, I I got the whole shot award that year too, which has always been a major key to the, the moto wins. And, um, it, you know, like you said, five, I don't know how many races we did that year. I think it was probably 10 or 11. But, yeah, because I think that we would have still been going to Soaring Eagle then. Okay, and I think yep. that we, uh, I think that we also, we obviously went to Daytona. So, yeah. So the, the overalls, aren't as spectacular as 2016 or this year. But, you, but, but I think you started to figure out not having to go for broke in every single yeah, race. Exactly. See, I, I calmed myself down and, you know, if I didn't win, I was getting a second. And that's right. what I told myself, like, you got to, you want to win your first championship. You need to relax and you need to play a, a strategic game rather than, you know, just go out there full bore every time you're on the track and, and go for broke. And and that's what's cost me races because I've wrecked and I'm pretty sure into yeah 17, I had uh, the mishap at high point where I think it was 17. Yeah. I cased the jump and I oh, yeah. <laughs> cased the step up, pretty sure torn my rotator cuff still, still to this day hurts. Um, yeah. Did that. I was like, I'm done. I can't finish the race. I honestly thought I was done with that race. I, I pulled my tether because I was like, I'm done. And then I was like, nah, I'm going to finish. And then went out road, adrenaline kicked in. I was fine. Uh, came from last to yeah. second. It was awesome. It was a killer race. And, uh, you know, there's just been little things like that. Like Texas, I wrecked there three, three times in the same turn. You know, it's like, dude, just relax for a minute. You can, you could do a lot better if you just finish these races in, in second or third rather than fifth or sixth. Absolutely. So what did that winning that first championship, what did that feel like after six years of trials and tribulations and building, what did that finally feel like when you finally got it done? It was honestly the, the coolest feeling I've ever had just because I've raced for so long. Like that's what I was going to say is you given your whole life to this. So then to finally get it done, like I can't even imagine. It it was just surreal because like you said, I've raced forever and my dream, my goal in life, my basically my dream as a kid was to be the Jeremiah Jones or the Doug Gust or the Dustin Wimmer um, or John Natale, just them champions. I wanted to be on the board with them guys and to do it and now to see my name on there, especially twice, 
it's like I, I freaking I did it, dude. It's it's so cool to me, and I, I don't know. It it's just the best feeling ever. <laughs> Other than my baby girl being born, it is the best feeling ever. And probably my wedding. We'll we'll, we'll push it to third because I'm gonna get slapped if I don't say that. <laughs> I was just gonna say because Carly is gonna be listening. Yeah. Yes. But, she, but no, no, I can't imagine what I mean, not what all those felt like. But I can't imagine after you spend your whole life chasing something and finally yeah. clinching it. Um, you probably can't even put it into words. I really can't. It's so hard to put it into words. People ask me all the time what to feel like. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's the icing on the cake, dude. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's what I wanted in my life. It was my main goal was my dream and to be the champion and to have everyone look up to you. It's just, it's the best feeling in the world. And uh, I mean, it's obviously not, just giving out like it, you have to earn it. And that's even better to, to have earned it. And man, it's, it's just, it's so awesome. And yeah. now I have two, two. Yeah, and after this year, it's like, Oh man, I'm unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's so cool because I mean, we all, and again, we're, you and I are a similar age, but you know, that's, I, I try to think about what it must feel like. Cause obviously like, I did it most all of my life too. Like I wanted to be where you are and to see somebody who gets it done. And again, you've turned into such a great professional, such a great role model, such an, a person who handles their business so well. Um, Thank you. It's just uh, it's a really cool thing to see you get to this point. So, you know, from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, you know, we all know what happened the, the next season with the mechanical at Loretta's, but um, you know, take us through the emotion and what it took to kind of go through that. Because the thing that I remember instantly from it is not even the, not even the situation itself, but I was so impressed by the way you handled yourself when it happened. Yeah, it, it was so tough. Just like we were just saying, I mean, you do it all your life and then you come down to the last race and I would have never thought that would have happened. And for it to happen, I had not one thought in my mind that my bike or my chain would come off. But you know what, you know what sucks? I was freaking myself out all morning. I'm like, I need to change my gearing. I need to do this. I need to do that. I should have never done anything. And I'm not saying that the, my mechanic did anything wrong. I personally think that since I raced three laps of the race plus the sight lap, I think I went over the inside single after the finish line and I went over it, you know, um, kind of like in the center, like my center of my swing arm went over. You straddled it. Yeah. Yeah. Straddled it. I, I did it wrong. I, I couldn't see. So I hit the line wrong instantly after that, my, uh, my chain was off. So it had to have grabbed a rock or something like yeah. it just, and then when I sat down, like I was obviously tore up. I walked back to my trailer during the race. Should have never done that. But, you know, that's what makes you a better person. You look back and, you know, I, I will I will handle that situation differently. I will try to, you know, go to the mechanics area, which I thought I had to push my bike all the way around to get there. But I was told I could cut the track. Personally, if someone cut the track to fix their bike on me for a championship, I would have protested them. Right. But <laughs> – that's, that's just was in my mind. Like I can't cut the track and, and, you know, get my chain on and finish the race and, and no one's going to say anything. That just, that didn't seem right to me. Um, 
I didn't even think about that though. I went back, I was pouting. I was straight up pouting, dude. And it, and it, it sucks because I could have handled it differently. And I, I only lost by one point. I could have got back on the track quicker and, and finished and maybe got that one point, but there was obviously a reason that happened. And I think the reason was, um, to accept failure a little bit better. And, and it made me a better person from that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely think differently in that situation. Yeah. I mean, and even again, from afar, I mean, we didn't, nobody saw you pouting. Nobody saw you, you know, I know that yeah. I knew that you could see in the moment that there was like confusion. You didn't know where yeah. to bring the bike to work on. I mean, you know what I mean? I do remember that part of it, but like, I just remember, I just remember you taking it like a champ and being really, really impressed because I mean, it takes, uh, takes a, uh, I don't know, a big man to handle that without really showing their emotion and letting it crumble. Because like you just said, you know, you put everything into something, you're fully invested in something. It seems like you yep. put it on lock and then it all comes crashing down. So I thought yeah. that was really impressive. And then, you know, this year we already mentioned it where, you know, you had those DNFs in the middle of the season. You thought that, you know, maybe it was over. You kind of almost tell yourself, right, like you're just going to go have fun. It is, yep. and now it's it was kind of inverted this year because you know Chad has the problem, and like you mentioned right off the jump, like it's almost like everything just I don't I mean fate doesn't work that way, but it's almost like it all just balanced itself out. Yeah, yeah, and like we're all thinking, obviously Chad's years of racing, he's not had a DNF. We're there's no hope of him having anything, which I would never hope that or wish that on anyone. I wanted to straight up beat him, obviously. And, you know, for that to happen, it just, I don't know. It, it seems to me like it was meant to be, um, you know, obviously he went into Loretta's in 2018 thinking, you know, uh, I don't know what I can do to, to win the championship. I had a good margin. I think I was 11 points ahead or something. Yeah. So for him, he was in the same boat. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just stuck here. Like I'm just going to race and do what I can do. And, um, that's what I was doing. I was winning motos. I was having a blast and I did all year. And, you know, I felt like I was the faster rider. For some reason I picked up some speed this year. I don't know how, uh, like we said earlier, it's just, I've been, I watched my videos. I put in the work and, you know, I did, I'm, I'm getting a lot smarter with the bike, which I think helps. Um, but yeah, I do think, yeah, you can see that from afar that you, if there's a little bit of unnecessary pushing the bike, you yeah. clearly aren't doing that like maybe you did at one time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, and you know what's funny, Carly, she's totally invested in this too. Like she she just of course, yeah. supports me 100% and she's like, why do you go out there and qualifying and, and tear up your bike? Like, I don't know. I just, I'm trying to go fast and get the qualifier. She's like, you need to relax and, and not rev limiter and not do this. And I'm like, okay, Carly, uh, you're you're the boss. That's so cool that she sees it like that though, that, you know, it's, I mean, obviously, obviously she would be invested, but seeing like she sees the technical side of it too. That's, that's super cool. It is. I thought it was super cool. And and it just, it motivated me more. It's like, if everyone, you know, is that, you know, behind me that much, I can't give up, you know, I can't let these guys down. I'm going to fight till the end. And, you know, when is, I want to win every moto, I can. And I just kept clicking them off. And it was like, we got to red, Butt. I won the first one. I was in second and I come around, I saw Chad. I didn't, I literally didn't even think about nothing except I just need to pass Thomas and finish this race and, and move on. Cause I, I you know, it, it totally sucks 
it really sucks when that happens to you. He he was winning that championship. He had it on lock. I mean, he had 20-some points on me. There, Even if I won every moto, I would have lost by four points. I by four math. points, yep. Yeah, and, you know, I was I was bummed out for him. But at the same time, obviously, I'm like, here we go. This is it. This is our chance to battle it out. Let's see who the better rider is now. Let's let's put it all out there. And he did. I did. And um, like I said, I thought I had that little bit of extra speed this year. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, they say that winners never quit and, and you never quit and you ended up winning the championship. How did number two, the feeling of number two compare to number one? I really, I don't think any championship is going to be comparable to the first one just because it's, it's your bread and butter It's the first one, you know, it's, it's realizing like, something that you always work towards. I totally get it. But, yeah. but like I had but, mentioned a few times already, what you overcame makes it so yeah. much sweeter. It has to, because I mean, it oh, went yeah. from in one day, you thinking you're totally out of it to I'm only one point down. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it, and the way I took the second one after I crossed the finish line, I was, my emotions were flaring up more than the first one. You know, I, the first one, I was like, I was relieved. I don't know. It was weird. It was like, you know, finally, like I, I did it. You know, this is, this is what I wanted all my life is to win one championship, but just one, you know, I told yeah. Carly, I said, I'll, if I never won another championship again, it don't matter. I'm on the board. I won one, you know. But uh, to win two after everything that happened, it was like I, I was, you know, I was teary-eyed coming off the track. And I normally don't really get like that from racing. But for that, you know, at that time, at that moment, coming off and seeing Brandon, my mechanic, and Jim, and, you know, all the guys just cheering, I was like, this is it. I did it. I can't believe this. I can't. Was, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine what that feels like. How pumped are you to put the number one back on that machine? I'm ecstatic. I was practicing this weekend at Sleepy Hollow, and people were asking me, giving me crap. They're like, where's the number one at? <laughs> I'm like, I don't have him yet, but I texted Ian today and uh, Carl, the guy at Moose, and I'm like, can you guys please get me some number one apparel and graphics? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I would. Uh, I thought that too, actually, when I saw the picture. I'm like, man, like you got to have those decals on there already. <laughs> yep, yeah, we just – the David Eller with the Phoenix racing Honda team, he got me that hybrid and, you know, we just threw some pla you know, plastics on to go right, you know, practice it a little bit. And we didn't really think nothing of the, you know, little fine details, but you know, today we were texting and he's like, you need to get them graphics and number one stuff. And I'm like, okay, got it. <laughs> well, you'll have, you'll have plenty of, uh, you'll have plenty of time to show off that number one. So that's right. all right. So, so when you were a kid, is this how you saw it going? Like, could you ever picture it this far? You know, it did it, is it easier or is it harder than you imagined it would be? Or did you imagine yourself actually getting to this point? Like, I know that it was your goal, but did you actually yeah. see it? It's a lot harder than I would ever imagined, honestly, because just the mental aspect, um, keeping yourself going, keeping motivated, you know, after all the bad stuff that you go through. And then of course, like I lost my train of thought a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I know that, uh, I ex imagined that you would say it was a little more difficult than maybe you thought because yeah. every year you just learned something it seemed like, and you put that in your bag and, 
all those yeah. years of learning and progressing and, you know, even sometimes backing off a little bit. Yeah. Made I you think who you are now as a champion. Of course. And I think it, when I realized it was going to be a lot harder than I'd ever imagined was when I first, my first qualifier at Aona Pass in Pro-Am, I went out there thinking I'm this hot shot kid. You know, everyone's talking me up, this and that. I go out there and qualify sixth. And I'm like, what? Like, no way. Like I could, I should have been my, I'm like yelling at my dad or whoever my mechanic was at the time. I'm like, that's not right. And they're like, no, you're, you're just, you're not there, buddy. I'm like, oh my gosh. And at that point I realized like, okay, these guys are pro for a reason. Like they, they've got it figured out. You know, this isn't going to be an easy task. Yeah. I, uh, I was curious to see, to hear your answer there, but I had to believe it was going to be more difficult than, I mean, you can't imagine, you just, you really can't, and I've said it a handful of times on these podcasts, but you can't explain to somebody how fast the pro class is. And then, I mean, at your level where you're at the very front of it, um, it's just, it's so mental too. Like it's, you have to harden yourself mentally. And it's, I mean, every single day of, you know, I don't know. You have to have the whole package, like every single, oh, yeah. every single thing you do, you're trying to find that little bit of an advantage on, I mean, especially when you're going against Chad and he's the ultimate professional too, you know, and it's, yep. and it's like, you know, he's not cutting any corners. So now you, you said at one point you weren't training much and stuff like you got to the point now where you're the guy that's not also cutting any corners. Yeah. 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 I, I push myself now, you know, and I feel like, you know, it might be bad to say, but I feel like no one can, I don't know, they can, but no one worked as hard as I did this year for, for what I wanted to accomplish. And I didn't sure. accomplish exactly what I wanted to um, because of, you know, the mishaps we had, but yeah. I told myself this year, like after, after, you know, the defeat of last year with the, you know, the issue we had, I said, there ain't no way that I'm going to go into the 2019 unprepared and I'm not going to, I'm going to go out for every race and go as hard as I can every single lap. And, uh, you know, but th- I didn't have to. And that's where the, the maturity came in is where I pulled myself back a little bit. Like, okay, Joel, I'm winning by five, six seconds. Let's just maintain a gap, yep. which before in life, I would just keep pushing. And I, you know, I'd win by 10, 15 seconds. But, but this I, year can, was I can imagine you can't teach that right like you can only experience it and learn that aspect of racing you could have a thousand people in your ear telling you you need to calm down this and that it doesn't work right you know i i've had plenty of people tell me just relax you can't until you get the experience until you're you know experience with the racers around you and what's going on and and what you really have to do during that moto or, or during that weekend you can't just you know slow down you can't just do what everyone tells you to do it's like it's all on you and mentally you have to be you have to prepare yourself for every weekend and that's what I'm doing differently than than most the years past is um I'm studying more myself uh from the years prior of the events and just going into it a hundred percent prepared mentally and you know physically there was no problem like me and uh Brandon Hogue and and Grayson like I said we're all training together so if if I wanted to slack those guys weren't going to slack. So I, I had to go back out and, and, and put more time in than them because I wanted to work harder than everyone around me. Sure. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. It paid off because you got it done. Um, yeah, uh, little Joel Hetrick back in the day would be pumped about where you're at now. So, oh, like, he, I like, he, yeah, he would look be, up to this guy now. He, he'd be like, hey, "How did you get there?" Like, you know, from where I was in, in a mental state and um, just how I thought compared to now, it's like. I, I don't know. It's just completely changed. It's for the better, of course. And uh, I'm just glad I've grown into the person I have. Yeah, that's awesome. The sport is the sport's lucky to have you. So, you know, there's one thing left uh, that we, you know, we mentioned it um, earlier, but talking about something being sweeter is, are you looking more forward to the quad cross of nations this second time after having to miss it last year for the birth of your daughter? Yeah, I really am. Um, you know, of course, there was no way I was going to miss my daughter for. Oh yeah. But, um, I just, I really wanted to be there, and to to be chosen to go back, it, it's it's awesome. It's it's an honor to go. It really is. You're you're racing for USA, um, against seventeen, eighteen other countries of guys that they they like you, but at the same time they want to whoop up on you. So, to go there this year. Um, and being the champ again, I was the champ the first year and the second year. Maybe they'll only take me when I'm the champ. I don't know, but um, it, it's it's going to be awesome, and it's it's going to be another amazing experience. I think. Hopefully, we we can just go over there and and race how we normally do, and and have a good time, and just come home uh, with the the third title. So I asked you when we did the the live show Quad Cross of Nations live show deal. Have you learned any more since then about what the what the track is like or what to expect as far as that goes? Uh, not really. I, you know, I, I probably should have honestly. It's kind of bad on my part, but I just didn't know if um, anybody, if any, if you guys had been talking about about it at all or anything like that. No, we Thomas and I we talk frequently. Um, Chad and I really don't talk much. Uh, but I'm um, assuming that we'll all be, you know, getting in group chats here shortly to talk about, you know, kind of like strategy for the race and, you know, what, what we should do, what we should plan for this and that. And uh, of course we have a, we have a test day there Wednesday before the race. So that's kind of where we'll, we'll go into detail of what we need to do and, you know, who, who needs to start first. And cause we, we each have to start in the back row. So we need to figure that out. Um, there's just a lot of stuff we really need to, to dial in. And of course I don't know the track really. So that's something I need to take in my own hands and, and go watch some videos and do my homework on it. Just like I do for the ATV motocross nationals. Okay. So the other, the other aspect of it too, is do you feel pressure when you go to, to these events overseas? Like, I don't know. I don't even really know there's, how to explain it. We're like, you like everybody knows you from a video, right? And yeah. they, so do you feel almost pressure? Like you have to live up to your own standard a little bit? Uh, to me, no, not really. I, you know, what's weird is I don't have nearly as much pressure racing over there as I do racing in the States. And okay. one, one of the main reasons is because the guy I normally want to beat, I'm on the same team with him. You're on his team. So, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, um, the first year I went, I wanted to win um, the moto I raced with Chad, and uh, I I didn't, but we had battled it out, and that was something now that you know, we'll probably that's why we're talking about you know strategy this and that. That's something we need to figure out because 
there was uh, some controversy there with me battling with him in that one moto. Um, and I get it, you know, like we could have had a bad race. I could have got a rock hit on my radiator something stupid could have happened. And that was just me being a little greedy. You know, I won the championship. I wanted to, you know, beat Chad and, you know, I felt like I had the speed, but nevertheless, uh, we won and, you know, we we're all friends and, you know, hugging it out after that. So the controversy was over. No one was holding any grudges and, you know, we're, we're ready to go this year and, uh, you know, just go over and try to have five good motos. Cause I think they take five of six. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you had, you guys had mentioned on the live show and that it was maybe not, maybe it's a goal kind of under the surface, but that you'd like to have that kind of perfect score. So be cool yeah. to see if you guys could get that done. Um, it would Joel, yeah. I mean, through it all, like, you know, you've managed to kind of etch yourself out a niche of kind of being the fan favorite. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know, really. You know, it's, is that, I'm, I, th- I honestly, I kind of do know. I, I try to talk to everyone. I never turn anyone down for an autograph. I never, you know, shun anyone away. And I, I really learned that from uh, John Natale. He was literally the nicest guy to everyone. And he lives close to me now. And when I moved in, he, he was over at my house, hanging out with me, helped me out. He took me out to lunch. And it's like, dude, it's, you don't have to do that. But he did. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and that, that's where I kind of got that from. He was the people's champ. Even if he wasn't winning, everyone loved John Natale. Yep. And, uh, you know, I picked that up from him. And he was a, a big role model in my career. So I, I always wanted to be like him. And, and I always wanted to be good to the people. Um, because I know the kids are looking at me, their parents are looking at me and I just want to be the best role model I can be. And I think from 15 to now, I've really changed and become a really, I feel like a really good role model for the kids and I'm involved with the kids a lot. And uh, like yesterday, this, this little boy, it was his 13th birthday and he asked Carly, he couldn't get a hold of me. Um, My stuff's usually blown up on Instagram, stuff like that, but he got a hold of Carly. It was his birthday. And he's like, can his dad said, can you make him a little poster and, and hold it up and take a picture? I was like, heck yeah, it was nine o'clock at night. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I took a, and we wrote a happy birthday cam on it. And, you know, I held it up, sent a picture. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. That was uh-huh. easy. It took two seconds. How cool you know? is that? It, it, but, but for him, it, it made his, his day or his night. And to me, that, that makes me feel good inside that I could do that. And I'm nobody. I'm just another quad rider. Like, I, I'm a nobody. I just... I'm fast on a full weather, you know, and that's what I, I always want to stay humble and, and just be a fan favorite. Cause it, it makes me feel good. Oh, that's awesome. And it's awesome that, uh, I mean, what makes you a fan favorite, you realize this, but what makes you a fan favorite is, is not, you could, you see it in other sports where the person that wins is not the fan favorite, you know, yeah. you're the fan favorite, you know, because you're a great racer, obviously, but also because, um, you know, you are the role model that, you know, these kids need. You're the role model that you would have looked up to when you were younger. So, you know, the sport's grateful to have you. Um, it's better with you, obviously, than it would be without you. I'm grateful to have you on the show here. And, um, you know, before we let you go, I have a couple fan questions. I told you before we started recording here that, you know, we had hundreds so I tried to pick out a few of stuff that would maybe be a little different than the stuff that we covered already here. So, um, 
So Blake asks, um, who did you look to at, up up to as an amateur? You mentioned John Natale, but was there any others? As an amateur? Um, or when you were a, younger. Yeah, yeah, when okay. you were younger. Yeah. When I was younger, um, I I thought Jeremiah Jones was awesome. He was a great racer. Uh, just his style, his hanging out there is kind of where I got that. And, okay. you know, hanging off the bike. Josh Creamer was another one. Um, you know, he won a championship. He was, uh, he was always kind of, I don't know. I never really got to talk to him personally until I started racing with him. And then when I started racing with him, I really got to like him. And, you know, after that, he gave me pointers, pointers that I'll never forget. And I thought that was awesome. So definitely Josh, um, Natalie, of course, like I said, um, let me think. I, other than that, it's them three guys really. Um, Matt Bartosik, of course, I'm number 88 in his memory. Um, I was going to mention him. that. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I had this in my notes here after this question that I we didn't mention it until now that I wanted you to be able to say why you wore the number 88. Yeah, um, he was actually battling with Jeremiah. I was watching the race, and uh, you know it was it was obviously a tragedy. What happened? He got uh, caught up with the bike and. It, it took a took a couple hits on him and you know I watched I stood there and watched that on the fence right in front of me so for that I was uh, maybe eight nine years old for that to, for me to see that um my I didn't even want to race that day I don't think I did um but after that I called Debbie Bartosik and I I asked her I was like I would I'd love to race in Matt's memory and you know for ever since then I raced number 88 uh, how cool is that, that you're still doing it to this day? That's amazing. Um, okay, I got one more for you. Clayton asks, after your Loretta's mishap last year, do you mm-hmm. still run the standard master link or do you run the rivet style chain like like they talked about on the quadra, Quad Cross of Nations show? Oh, yeah. You, he knows better than that. I run the rivet link now. I didn't want to tell you guys at the live show, but I had been on the rivet bandwagon for a while. And oh my gosh. Because I just, I like with the rivet, you never yeah. have to worry. No. And, and now like I won't even ride somebody's quad if it's got a clip style on it. Cause I don't trust it. Oh, come on. Why are you going to tell me that in 2018? Come on. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I have no place to, to, to tell oh, Joel no. Hedrick what to do, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, well, you, you, you should have, damn it. That would have helped me out. But and no, it would have changed the course of time. Yep, that's true. But it, you know, like I said, it, everything happens for a reason. So now we're on that bandwagon, of course, and it's it's been working. Okay, cool. Um, great to hear. So I got uh, Jimmy asks, how do you stay hungry coming off of your second national title? That's tough. I don't really know yet. Um, I, I you know I was talking to Brandon Hogue. I trained with him, and um, we we're honestly just talking the other day like we're about to start a training block and and get back into training for 2020 so there's there's really no time to screw around and you know since I'm racing um the quad cross of nations I don't have a huge break off the bike like when I get back from that I'm going to continue to ride I'm doing the Ironman GNCC oh, okay. I'll be riding my yeah I'll be riding my dirt bike and um so I'll, I'll still be on the bike and I think that's what's going to help me um stay hungry is is continuing to ride, but then also I'm going to take a break 
which is going to let me relax a little bit. And then when I get back into it, it's like, okay, I want to ride so bad now, you know, um, rather than if I just continued all the way until I went training, I might be a little burned out and I might not, you know, be as hungry as I was this year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, well, if, uh, if you heard the, the review podcast, Shawnee T and Hammy, yeah. they, think that you're, they, <laughs> they think that you're going to win eight or nine plus. So Whew. you have, you have no time for any letdown. No, no. I mean, it was this hard. It was took seven years to win one. So <laughs> it's, it's going to be a tough couple of years, I guess, but if they got faith in me, I'll try not to let them down, I guess. That's what I, that's what I said. I said somewhere Gary Denton is shaking in his boots. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah. to, piggy, to piggyback off of that, how long do you see yourself doing this? Um, I, you're what you're, you're 26 right now. 26. Yep. I would, I would say, uh, I would love to race till I'm, I was, um, until I'm 40 years old, but, uh, you know, it, it, I might not be that fortunate to do that. Um, you know, Chad's like, I think he's 34. So I'm hoping I can race realistically for another 10 to 12 years. And if it's, if the sport's still booming, heck yeah, I'll still race till I'm 40 or something, but there's going to come a point where I'm not going to want to get worked by everyone. I'm not going to, cause there's going to, there's going to be kids that are going to come up. They're going to, you know, be that, you know, Joel Hetrick of their era and they're going to whoop up on Joel Hetrick. So there, that's the point where I'll have to, you know, realistically take a step back and be like, okay, it's, it's time to, uh, do something else but i i want to be in the sport i want to do this forever um so i don't know if i'll do schools i don't know what it, time will tell because i have no idea at this point all i'm focused on is 2020 and, and trying to defend um, my championship awesome yeah i i can't imagine i can't imagine you sticking it out it's hard to see top level athletes like picturing them like on the decline and they're still hanging on I don't picture you as one of those guys but how exciting of it to quick piggyback off of that how is it how exciting is it for the sport that it seems with the elevated um riding of some of the guys that you're racing with currently plus there's Mm -hmm. a good crop coming it looks yep. like there could be guys because i mean there was a lot of years there where you know we knew who like the top three was or the top two was and then there was a gap yep. it looks like there's some guys coming in or guys on the rise even the guys that have been there for forever that are elevating their game that are making it so like it doesn't look predetermined i mean kind of all those top spots are up for grabs it's just yep. good for the sport if there's more guys at the top that can mix it up with you Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like you said, they're they're coming, um, and I feel like they're hungry. The the kids, the rookies that moved up, um, they did amazing. I mean, you had two rookies that got podiums. That hasn't happened since since you. I think I, yeah. yeah. So that, that's cool to to share the podium with them rookies, and you know I think that makes them hungry for more. And you know we got a couple kids coming up. Um, Noah Mickelson, my teammates, one of them, and then Bryce Ford, and you know that's Bryce won countless amount of motos like he was hard to beat I mean he was the guy to beat, and and you really you didn't see him get beat much straight up um you know maybe at Redbud I think he did but other than that like the kid he rode phenomenal um so I think he's going to be a force to deal with in the future like I said it's it's not going to come right off the bat 
Uh, I figured that out firsthand. And it, it, it'll be tough for him, but he's got it. Like, I feel like he's got that talent um, if he can put the whole package together. Yeah, I mean, he could very well – you almost got to believe he's going to have to go through some of the stuff that you did and learn some of the oh, stuff yeah. that you did. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's exciting. It's so good for the sport that we got fresh blood coming in and, and fresh blood blood from that rookie class this past year that looked really good. I mean, you mentioned Brandon Hogan array of times and um, yeah. he's been up there and at the end of the year, I mean, his qualifying times are so good and stuff. So just, Oh man, the state- he almost got, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the state of the sport is so good right now. It really is. And I, I was going to say he, that he almost got me at uh Loretta's and qualifying. I kept, <laughs> I'm like battling with someone for first and I'm, I come off the track. I'm like, who was the kid I'm racing with? Cause Chad was in fourth. Yeah. I'm like, who was second? And they're like, Brandon, I'm like that little, <laughs> no, I didn't, I'm not, not going to say it, but I was like, oh, he's, he's killing it though. And I was happy for him yeah. because we're riding together. So, um, you know, it's helping me and it, and, and it was helping him too. We're picking up speed, me and him, we're, we're pushing the limits. So I think he's going to be another force to deal with. And I think he's going to be, you know, maybe in and out of the podium a lot more, at least, you know, I hope for him. And, um, you know, I hope Jeffrey gets his situation figured out because he, he was that podium guy, him and Thomas always went back and forth. And, you know, Thomas was riding amazing at the end of this year and in all year long, you can't take nothing away from him, but he really shined at a couple races and it was like, okay, okay, Tom, here he comes, you know? So and, that was and, cool to see. Yeah. I, every time I've kind of talked about this kind of stuff, um, it's almost like you want to mention every single guy, you know, yeah, but, it's, but, but there's those new guys coming and then the, the guys that have been there, are mm-hmm. also on the rise. Thomas had his best year. Jeffrey yep. before he, you know, kind of had was sick. I swear yeah. he was he was having his best year. And mm-hmm. um I mean just like all those guys. So um yeah. that's exciting. It's just so good for the sport. Um, so speaking of Hammy, I mentioned him a second ago, friend of the show. He asks hypothetically if you had to start a three man pro only team, who are you picking other than yourself? If I was starting my own team, if you you could pick any of the any pros, only pros, mm. and you can't pick yourself. <laughs> oh man. Okay, theoretically, um, the pro team I would pick. Uh, I obviously would have to go with uh, the the six time champ, um, Chad. I would pick. I think I'd pick Hogue. Okay. For my second rider, um, third rider to top it off because as it sits right now, I got a, I got the champ and I got this rookie who's doing really good. Right. I think I'd pick, I think I'd pick Bryce Ford for, for the third one, just because. Oh, wow. He could be that, you know, that, you know, pop-up guy that that wins a moto or two, you know, you never know. So I think that'd be my, my fantasy team, I guess you could say. Somewhere Jeffrey is not happy right now. <laughs> uh, what well, you know? I'm sorry, Jeffrey. He he's got it. He's got to figure his his okay. All right, up. all right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. But like to this right now, as it sits, that's that's the the riders I'd pick. Nothing against you know no riders. All right. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I you know I'm fond of, of Brandon Hogue. 
and it, you'd be stupid not to pick the six-time champ. Yep. And uh, for bet, like I don't know, if I was a team owner, I would want to pick the rising kid. Right. Um, you know, you you might be more stable with a guy who's been on the podium many times, like Thomas, but that that rising kid might impress and in, in, in you know throw a wrench and everything. You never know. Yeah, I like the way you look at it because. Um, I mean, that's how those teams look at it. You know, you have, right. You have like an A rider, a B rider and a C rider exactly. class wise, but like you have a, a, a yeah. contender, you have like a, I don't know, the guy just one tier down and then you have a newcomer. So, um, exactly. you, you executed that perfectly. So, <laughs> so, okay. Uh, Tyler asks, um, what was the most heated moment you ever encountered as a pro? Heated, uh, as in like, about yeah, to like, get... like, like upset or whatever. Um, uh, I feel like you're pretty, I feel like you're pretty even keeled. Yeah, I usually am earlier in my career. Uh, I had a, a get together with Chad at Aona pass and Ooh, I remember that 2012, 2012. Yep. I, at the time I thought, he was in the wrong. I thought that, you know, he was being a, a freaking idiot, but I look back now and the way I was trying to pass him, his line would have came into my line any, any day of the week. It, it, it just wasn't going to work for me. Um, so he comes in hot. I come in trying to go around the outside of, of Chad Weenan. Uh, ain't going to work. He pushes me over. I go into this huge ravine. I'm so mad. Yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm like, I was going to pass this freaking guy. And uh, he comes around, I'm giving him two thumbs down, like on the track. <laughs> I was standing um, right there. Yeah, dude, I'm surprised I didn't get fined or something. But I didn't That was the first off. race of the year too, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. So that's what made me even more mad. Like, you're going to yeah. do that. But now I look back and I'm like, dude, I would have done that to some, like that kid. I would have done it to, you know, whoever was trying to go around me on the outside. Like, not today, Junior. It ain't going to happen. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. uh. Yeah, that that was one of the most heated, and you know I really can't think of nothing. Me and Thomas got into it 2017 um, at High Point, and you know it, it can go both ways on this. Uh, at at the time, I didn't feel like I did anything at all wrong, but then I look back and I had come through. I was coming through the pack after the incident I had. I you know messed up, and I passed Thomas with uh, two laps to go, or a lap to go, his final lap maybe. And I didn't jump that step up because I just watered myself up on it, basically. And right, yeah. he was jumping it. And he had thought that, obviously, Joel's jumping it if he just caught me by that much. Like, we had talked after it. And this is the story that he had told me. And he's like, I thought you were jumping it. And I wasn't. So he was setting up to jump it. And he had to, like, turn on the face because I didn't, I didn't put a hand. I didn't do a warning or nothing. You know, I just checked up and didn't hit it. Well, he, he crashed pretty hard. I remember. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And. And he but you you were doing you were doing just what you did the whole race because after you yeah. after you crashed at the beginning on that jump you didn't jump at the done. whole rest of the race yeah yeah I was done with that thing there was no way I was doing it again that moto right but uh so he comes over after and he's hot and I'm like what did I do <laughs> so I I at the time I didn't know but I got a temper and it went off like at a snap of a finger dude and and I was like freaking out. Brandon, my mechanics hold me back. I'm like, I can't hear him. I can't hear what he's saying. And all I wanted to do was hear what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and that was making me more mad because he's still screaming at me, you know, mother effing me. And I'm like, holy, <laughs> I must have done something, you know. But uh, 
I had, I had felt really bad after the fact of whatever he, he didn't talk to me until the second moto. I went up to him on the second moto and I'm like, dude, you know, I apologize for what happened. Um, I really, I wasn't jumping the jump the whole race. And of course I didn't want you to wreck like that. And after I saw the video, I was like, holy cow, he hit the ground pretty hard. So that was a heated moment for, uh, that was the most recent one, I guess. And okay. after that, you know, we've all been really cool and we've been racing really clean. Um, there's, there's one more, if you want me to talk about it. Sure. Yeah. No right. matter. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> so 2016, we went to monster mountain, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, the year I was trying to come back in the points, I think. Yeah. It was that year. Cause it was, the last it was year that we year. Yep. So if you recall, me and Chad were battling, um, I think it was second moto. Oh, I remember. I I saw the pictures. I would have been at the track on the track with you guys, but yeah, I remember the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't make the pass on him, And I had a line which drove into him basically every time I took it and I took it every lap. It was, it was a better line. I feel like, and, um, I eventually got a little fed up with following and, and bumping him around and I couldn't pass, but I was a faster rider on the track. So, uh, I, uh, I go in and I come in basically the same line as I normally do, but I, I had bumped him and it spun him sideways and he caught and he wrecked. And, uh, I look back and he, he almost wanted to give me the bird, but he didn't. And, uh, he got up, he finished second. He, he didn't lose no points. Um, other than, you know, the moto win. But he had come off the we were going we were heading to the podium and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for him to come up because I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I would have done the same thing. He comes up, runs into the back of me, and he's like, Nice move. <laughs> and you know, my response was, Oh, I was doing it for a championship, which that wasn't the right response because he wasn't happy about that and his family wasn't happy and you know, it it, it sucked that he wrecked because it looked really bad on my part, but that was my line every lap. So it's not like I intentionally drove in to take him out. Yep. And when I look back at, I was, I was pretty upset with myself. I'm like, dude, why did you do that? You just took him out. Like that wasn't the proper thing to do. But at the same time, it's like I needed to make that move um, in hopes that I could uh, do better in the championship at the end. Not that I wanted to take him out. I wanted to pass him. Right. Yeah. It ended up erect. And, um, that was a another incident, but it was 16. So Thomas's was the most recent, and you know now we're all on Team USA again together, and you know we're we're good buddies now. It's it's all a thing of the past, and it's all racing. Yeah, I think it's been really cool to see. I mean, it seems like the relationships, and you know, you mentioned your your relationship with Chad, and you know, we talked about it a little bit maybe on the Quad Cross live show, and I mentioned it to Chad on the podcast I did with him. But it seems like there's been you know these ebbs and flows with it. Yep. But it's pretty cool because, I mean, even like most recently at Crawfordsville, you know, he was gracious in defeat he gave you a bunch of credit. He called you the fastest rider. Um, it's just, it's like that dynamic as a, as a fan or somebody who loves the sport. I think that that's so cool that, you know, you guys don't have to be buddy, buddy, but you're able to give each other credit. You're able to race hard. And then when you get off the track, you know, congratulate each other and whatever. I just, I think that even as an athlete and a competitor like you, that's gotta be, it's almost like a rewarding feeling. I don't know. It's like this. It is gained respect you know yeah I, I was uh 
I thought that was really cool what he said on the podium. I really did. And I told a lot of people about it. Um, you know, I, I never say anything to knock Chad because he is a six time champ for a reason. And he, he's put in countless hours of work. And, um, I tell people all the time, I'm like, that dude does his own mechanic work. He does his own motors. Like I respect that because it's just incredible to, to carry all that on his shoulders. And now with a little, little baby boy with him, um, there's a lot on his plate, so you can't take anything away from him. And, you know, I respect the heck out of him. He's a great rider, and uh, I'm pretty pretty pumped to see what he uh, brings for 2020 because I think he's going to be coming out swinging. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I think um, I would assume that deep down both of you are grateful for each other because without each other, I mean, there's a lot of good riders out there, but you two are 1A and 1B. And yep. I have to believe that uh, it wouldn't be the same for either oh, of yeah. without the other one. I agree. I, I've I've thought about that many times, and you know, I know he's racing next year, which uh, it it kind of, it makes me happy. A lot of people are like, I "Wonder if he's retiring? That that'd be that'd be good." And I'm like, "No, it wouldn't. Heck, no. It, it wouldn't be good at all." You know? No. no. I want to I want to race. You know, obviously with the best of the best, and if he's gone, that's that's one of the the six time champ that no one's done that for, you know, since Gary Denton, he has eight, but that is the second, uh, he holds, yeah, the second most championships. So yeah. that's, yeah, we want that guy there. Absolutely. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be the same for you without him. So got one question here. Um, one last question. DJ asks, what do you see yourself doing after racing? Oh man, this is such a tough question. <laughs> Um, something racing related you already said so yeah so you want to stay in it whatever way you can yeah so what I tell a lot of people uh what I'd really like to do not what I really like to do I'd, re I'd really like to race and and you know bank up and never have to work again but that's, right, that's a fair right, yeah yeah uh, I think <clears throat> realistically if I could and you know end my racing career on a high note um not go out you know at the point where I'm dwindling down to, you know, not being a great rider or whatever. But, uh, I think I would want to, you know, be a sales rep for a company or, um, you know, be a mechanic for, a, a upcoming rider or, you know, work for the Phoenix racing Honda team. Um, they have a lot of good things coming and, you know, if I'm with them at that time, it would be cool to, you know, stay with them. Um, just because of everything they've, you know, done for me over the years, I feel like if I could work for them and, you know, still be a part of the team and, and help them out, um, like they did for me, I think that'd be cool. But if not, I think a sales rep for a, a you know, a gear company, oil company, um, you know, anything that I, I know about, because honestly, my highest level of education is a high school diploma. And other than that, uh, pro motocross racing is all I got. Right. No, I get it. But even at, I mean, I'm nowhere close to your level, but like, even for me, it's like, I have, I mean, the one thing I know, like all the ins and outs of is yep. the industry and the sport. So it's like, I have so much to give. It's just figuring mm -hmm. out where you fit, you know, and you're in the same way. Exactly. Like you have so much to teach somebody yeah, um, yeah. and so much industry knowledge. Like you got to stay in the industry one way or the other. Yeah, I, th I think that would be really awesome for me to stay in and, like you said, just kind of give out my knowledge because at that time, um, maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe it's 20, but 
I'm only going to gain that much more knowledge in that time and, uh, you know, be more mechanically inclined with uh, the machines and, you know, mechanic wise, that would be fun for me. I, I like working on quads, um, specifically the TRX cause it's about, you know, the best one to work on, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just, I think that'd be cool. Um, this, you know, obviously whatever I'm doing, I want to be involved with, uh, ATV motocross or the, you know, the motocross industry. Yeah, it's in your DNA. So I don't think uh, I don't right. think I don't think that you're going to split up anytime soon. So, Joel, I think that that's a, I think that's a perfect question to end this thing with. Um, which question was your favorite? We'll give we'll give the asker of of your favorite question. Uh, we'll send him some goodies. Um, can you do a quick recap of the questions? Yeah, yeah I can. Um, so we had uh, we had asking. Blake asked who you looked up to as an amateur. Uh-huh. Clayton asked about the chain. Okay. That's Jimmy, not my favorite. Sorry. <laughs> Jimmy asked about um, staying hungry um, after your second championship. Good question. Oh, Hammy asked about your, your three rider pro only Did, team. It's a really good question, but. He's not winning anything, so he, he's not winning. I already, I already know. I already nope, know that. No, nope, <laughs> no. Nope. And uh, um, we had we had Tyler asked your most heated moment, and DJ asked um, where do your where do you see yourself after racing? Those last two are, are in a, a tight battle for the best question. Um, I think I think I'm going to go with the most heated just because it brings back some. Uh, some you know good and bad memories okay well what we're gonna do here is uh we're gonna send every one of these we had so many people enter what we'll uh-huh. do is we'll just we'll just send all these people some some goodies so um there we go yeah so we'll make everybody happy um again joel said, go ahead i was gonna say you send me the, you send me their addresses i got a graphics kit here i can send them some stuff all right, all right. yeah we can do that too so uh all, all right. you listeners joel joel and i will both send you some good stuff so again joel i can't thank you enough for all your time um it's cool to because um we mentioned this before we were recording but in our sport we don't have an avenue to talk about all these things and and bench race like this and talk about you know the all the stories and the way you came up and i mean there's tons mm-hmm. of people who are diehard joel hetrick fans that don't remember you on minis you know that's long yeah. ago that it doesn't get talked about anymore so um it's so cool for me to be able to bring this this content to people but um none of it happens or none of it is meaningful um, without your participation. So I just, I can't thank you enough for your time here. Oh, no, thank you. I mean, I had a smile on my face literally the entire time because I really enjoy talking about everything I've been through and, and just kind of reminiscing on, you know, the years and the good and bad. And it's just, it it truly is fun because I love the sport so much. And so do you. So it it makes for a good um, conversation like we just had. Yeah, it, it, uh, that's what I found after I started doing this was everybody wants to talk about racing and talk about these stories because none of us really get a chance to do it unless we do something like this. So it'll be really cool because all of our listeners are going to get to sit along like they were, uh, sitting here with us and hearing these stories. Um, so again, you're welcome back anytime. Maybe we can get you guys back on after, uh, after you guys go win the, you know, the third in a row in, in Germany. And um, again, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough. Congrats on your championship. 
go go get it done over overseas and uh yeah just i i, I truly can't thank you enough it's an honor well it means a lot cody thank you for doing it and uh thank you for doing it for the sport i mean this is this is huge and you know, I'm glad to be a part of it, and uh, I would love to, uh, you know, have another interview with you after the Claw Cross the Nation. So hit me up. I'm, uh, I'm available every day of the week. All right, man. I uh, thank you so much again. Come back anytime. Go get it done over there. And, uh, yeah, everybody, that's your champion, Mr. Joel Hetrick. Yeah. What an awesome interview with the champ. So pumped to bring this kind of content to the ATV world, and we're not stopping anytime soon. I have so many guests, product features, topics, and more lined up, and we're just getting started. We're going to have Digger Doug Gust in the next couple episodes, in the next episode or two, I would say. I can't wait to have uh, my childhood hero, Digger Doug, come on, and like I said, so much more. I have to thank tonight's featured guest, Joel Hetrick, who was brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. Thanks to my producer, my brother Dallas, for his nonstop efforts and support of the podcast. I couldn't do it without you, D. Thanks to the beautiful Taylor Smith for her graphic design work. Thanks to her, the podcast looks incredible. So if you need any graphic design work done, shoot me a message and I'll get you in touch with her. She's fantastic. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Evans, Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, 100%, and the new R Mega Goggle, Blenders Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, and Oats Overnight. Support the brands that support our show and use those codes to save. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to donate via Patreon if it suits you. That added support will help grow the show, and if you're interested in being a show sponsor, shoot me a message and we can chat about that. We're working on our 2020 show sponsorship as we speak. And remember, guys, give us a call. We now have a call-in line, so call in, leave us your voicemails, asking questions, making comments, anything, really. I can't wait to hear from you guys, so start using that. The number is 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. So go ahead and use that call-in line, and you could very well hear yourself on the next episode. Thanks again to you guys, our listeners. I say it every week, but your support is truly surreal. Our numbers are growing so fast, I truly can't even believe it. It's a blessing. Thank you all so much. We truly are here putting out this great content. Thanks to all of you. Remember to follow me, Cody Jansen, and the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Just so you don't miss anything with all the cool features and stuff we have coming up, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts. It all truly helps, guys. So if you do some of that for us, we really appreciate it. Again, what an awesome show tonight. Thanks again to Joel Hetrick and everybody involved behind the scenes. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. With that, thanks for listening. I'm Cody Jansen, and until next time, thanks for digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. (laughs) 